Well, this morning, let's take our Bibles. Yours might be an electronic device like mine, or it might be leather-bound. But either way, let's take our Bibles, and let's say the words that are up on the screen. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. It is the indestructible, incorruptible, everlasting, living Word of God. I receive it now by faith, and I believe that my life will forever be changed. Let's pray. Father, we once again thank you for the power of your Word. And Lord, this morning as I minister your Word on your love... Lord, help each one of us to feel the love. Lord, let it let us just become reacquainted with your love, what love is, so that we can experience it, know it, share it. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are beginning a new series today, as you heard, and I'll just call it a little mini-series, This is Love, for the next three weeks, and I want to do just what I prayed about, and that is I'm asking the Lord to help me over these next three weeks, help us become reacquainted with the love of God. Once again, to define it, to know it, to experience it, and then share it. You see, the world bombards us with its definition of love. It's constantly trying to push off on us what love is. And I think sometimes without even realizing it, we accept their definition of love. And when we do, we cheat ourselves. And so in this series, I want us to once again be able to define what love is and then experience the love of God and then share it with others. And so let's get into this message today that is simply entitled, What is Love? And, and I will just add this as we begin. Guys, especially you married men, you ought to be thankful that I'm doing this series right now because next week is Valentine's Day, so you can't forget it because your pastor's doing a series on This is Love. <laughs> Oh, come on. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4, and I want to read verses 10 and 11. But just before I read that passage of Scripture, I want to just mention a few things about the author. This is the disciple John, and he wrote three epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and then he also wrote the Gospel of John. And many of you will recollect that in the Gospel of John, he refers to himself, not by his name, but he refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loves. That's a good way to refer to yourself. To think of yourself that way. And so I believe that John had a revelation of the love of God. And it's this person, John, this author, that's writing this passage. And so let's read it. 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. It says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son... Oh, did I, did I, sent his son, oh, there, there he is, I lost my place, sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Now, John declares this truth in this passage, 
And he says, God is love. In other words, love isn't something God does. Love is who God is. It's in his DNA. You want to know what love is, then you got to know God. In fact, we could say this. The only way to know real love is to know God who is love. How could you know God or how could you know love if you don't know God? Because God is love, real love. In fact, he says that you can really know what love is when you really know God. God is real. His love is real. And then he says this, real love is that God loved us first. Hmm. And then he said, because God loved us first, then we surely ought to love each other. How many of you know we don't always do what we ought to do? But I believe that one of the reasons why we don't do what we ought to do is because we really don't know love. Maybe we've allowed the world to recondition us. Maybe for some reason uh, we've kind of pulled away from the love of God. Life and its trials, its troubles, just living. If we don't stay close to God and keep receiving his love, we can kind of separate ourselves from the love of God. God never separates himself from us. He always loves us. But we can move a little further. But at any moment, you can move back. I'm, I'm going to help you move back. I want to reacquaint you again with God's love and, and what it is. Because I believe that the reason we sometimes struggle to love those around us is because we don't know love. We are struggling to be loved and receive love from God. And so let's begin this morning by just defining what love is so we know what we're receiving and what God is like. And so let's just define love. Now, let me say this as we define the word love, it's used in this passage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch it out and really dig into it because after all, we're looking at who God is, so we can't be too quick. So just settle in, because it's going to take me a few minutes here to define love. C come on. So first of all, let's just look at the word that's used in this passage in John for love. And it's the Greek word agape. Many of you are probably familiar with that word. But here's the definition of this word agape translated love. It's defined as affection, benevolence, charity. Three really big words. God's love is defined as affection, benevolence, charity. Now this word agape, which is the word that's used to uh, when it's when the Bible's speaking about the love of God, there are other words translated love in the Bible, but this word agape, uh, some folks have said that it's the God kind of love. Some have said that it is the highest and best 
kind of love. And obviously we tend to agree with that if it's God and God is love, agape. But let's look at these words, affection and benevolence and charity. We'll keep defining it because we want to know God because we want to know love. And these words, since God is love, they're also defining who God is. And so let's look at the word affection. Affection is defined as passion. It's settled goodwill. It's love or zealous attachment. Now, now when I was studying that and I read that, I got a little excited because I thought, God is zealous about me, about you. Listen, if you're dating somebody and they're kind of like half-hearted as to whether or not they want to go out tonight, no, no thank you. Jeff was calling me, coming after me. Come, come on. God is zealous. That affection is about zealous attachment. God is excited about finding ways to be in relationship with you. Wow. And then the next word is benevolence. And benevolence is defined as an act of kindness that promotes someone's happiness. You know, celebrities, movie stars, sometimes businessmen that have, or women that have a certain skill, they'll have, they'll hire people who do nothing but promote them. Promote their skill, promote their ability to act, whatever. They're, they're promoting them. Well, guess what? God's your promoter. Uh, go, come on. And why is he your promoter? Because he loves you. And when God promotes you, he's doing those things that are going to have a happy ending. Now, some of you know Miss Connie, her and uh, Tim, her husband Tim, uh, lead our youth. And Connie also works here in the office. And if I'm watching a movie or her family's going to watch a movie, Connie only has one question. Does it have a happy ending? Because she doesn't want to watch it if it doesn't have a happy ending. Well, listen, God loves you. He is benevolent towards you. And that means that he is going to promote those things in your life that bring about happiness. Now, look at the word charity. Charity is another word that describes love. It says charity is the disposition of the heart which inclines men to think favorably of their fellow man and do them good. Well, we know that has to be God because how many times does the Bible say God is good and God does good? Come on, I want to reacquaint you this morning with the love that God has for you. This says that God, that word charity, sometimes we think, oh, that just means to give to the good will. That just means to give to Salvation Army. That just means, and certainly those things are good, but we're talking about defining love. And this word charity means that God is constantly thinking about you. Can I just say this? God thinks about you as being his favorite. That's what those favorable thoughts that God has. And then he wants to carry those thoughts out in your life. Why? Because God loves you. This is love. Now we think about these words and just continuing to define love. We said that affection means passion. Affection is love. 
Love is passion. Passion is affection. And really, the word passion simply means this. It means that you have a strong desire or emotion towards someone. That that person moves you. Listen, when I met Jeff and we went out on a couple of dates, I was moved. <laughs> Come on. But now, this passion isn't just a physical attraction. You do have to be moved physically. I, I mean, you know, you got to think, hey, they're pretty cute. That, that's a whole package. But can't just be that. This love of God is not just, especially in the natural, being physically attracted. This passion that is speaking of God here means that he has a strong desire to do something good for you. In fact, his emotions are so strong toward you that it moves him to help you. Wow. Now, now let me say this. It moves him to do something good for you. You could say love has passion. Passion moves us to action. God was moved to action because he loved you. Now, if, so, if, if you're beginning a relationship with someone and they're not moved to do you good, I suggest you move on. <laughs> Come on. I'm talking about the beginning of a relationship. If you're already married, don't move. Come next week. Okay. And we'll help you out with the Word of God next week. Now, now listen, he says, love is also goodwill. I just want you to begin to think about God this way. Love is goodwill. That means God has an inclination to do good to you. It, it's just the first thing. It's just what he leans toward all the time. Wow. Listen, if you're in love with someone, that should be your inclination. And if it's not, then maybe you need to go back to God and figure out why you're not inclined to do good. Why you might be inclined just to find fault I was I'll be honest with you in some areas of my life years ago it was real easy in fact Jeff says this about me you don't like spots or wrinkles and you notice them and I live with three guys who don't care about spots or wrinkles <laughs> for the most part they do to some degree but you know what I mean but come on if you're not inclined to do goodwill or you don't think God's inclined to do good to you and then let's look at this next one. It says, when talking about benevolent, God is benevolent. That's what love is. Love is benevolent. And that means that when, you, when you're benevolent, it prompts acts of kindness and has an eagerness to do the things that promote your happiness. We're, we're back to that one where God's promoting your happiness. Now, let me make this statement. Everything God does or asks you to do is to promote your happiness. You see, God knows that if you say that, he's telling you not to say that because he knows that after you say that, you're not going to be happy. If you do this, he knows that it may be 
a little struggle to do it, to put down your flesh, to obey him in that area. But he knows that once you obey, you're going to be so happy. You know, sometimes I think we kind of uh, lower our expectation of God when it comes to making us happy. I, I mean... While certainly in our marriage relationship, it's not all about Jeff making me happy or me making Jeff happy. It's not about, from his point of view, it's not about his happiness. And from mine, it's not about, well, Jeff's got to make me happy. But at the same time, he's not trying to make me unhappy. Come on, if you love someone, you are responsible. Do you hear me? You are responsible. To do those things that would promote their happiness. Works both ways. Well, if God would tell us that in our relationships we're responsible to do those things that would promote each other's happiness, how much more does God do those things that promote our happiness? He wants you to have a happy life, a happy marriage. He wants you to have a happy workplace. Come on, He wants to bring some happiness in your life. And you know why? Just because He loves you. And when God is your promoter, think about that. He builds you up. He doesn't tear you down. Listen, if you're in a relationship with someone, especially husband and wife, nothing kind of gets me riled more than if I'm in a situation and a husband or a wife and their their partner's standing right there and they're putting them down. Listen, if you've got something to talk about, take them home and deal with it. But don't put them down in front of us. Promote their happiness. Wow, that's what God does. Come on, you're getting reacquainted this morning with the love of God. You are loved. This is love. This is what love is. Now, let me just say this. This last one is charitable, and it says it's inclined to think favorably toward them and act on those thoughts. That's what it means when you're you're charitable towards somebody. You have good thoughts about them. Listen, I tell you what, I could work myself up in no time about Jeff if I think on certain things. <laughs> on the one thing he didn't do instead of the 25 things he did do. Come on. But love, love has favorable thoughts. You know, if you're wondering what God is thinking about you today, he's thinking favorably towards you. God is. You can know God's thoughts. He's thinking favorably towards you. And in fact, he's looking for ways in your life, in that situation that you may be struggling with, or that you may need him to do something about. He is looking ways for ways to pour out his favor on you to make it turn out well. Wow, he's thinking about you. I could just say this. God is thinking about doing you a favor. Yeah, God is thinking about doing you a favor. That's who he is. That's what he does. You know, I I can remember when I was a little girl, 
and I won't blame it on the church. I'm not sure why I had this thinking, and some of it's just normal, and we need to learn about the love of God. But I remember as a little girl in children's church, we used to sing this song. You may have heard me tell this story before, but the song was, Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. And then, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then, then it would go to the feet. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. But then there was a little refrain that just said, For the Father up above is looking down in love, and you cross your heart, do all the signs with it. The Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little hands, feet, whichever one you were singing about. But you know, even though that song said, For the Father up above is looking down in love, this little six-year-old, seven-year-old little girl saw a big eye in the sky. I didn't see a father looking down in love. I saw a big eye roving up there that was just waiting for these little hands, these little feet, eyes to see something wrong, do something wrong, go somewhere wrong, and then he was going to get me. Hmm. Listen, we need to teach our children about the love of God. We need to demonstrate the love of God in our homes. Our culture is a deficit, has a large deficit when it comes to real love. And I'm going to talk about that, how we show love and hold the line, too. Because love holds the line. Love says you can't cross over that line. We'll talk about that next week in the coming weeks. Let me just say right now, God is affectionate. He is benevolent and charitable toward us. Mm. Now, let me talk about the big story in the Bible and the big story in this message today. And the big story is God moved. God moved. Now, now some of you may have a friend that moved or whatever, and, and you don't keep going back to that house because you know they moved. Listen, God moved. I, I want you to understand that. God moved. But let's look at how God moved in light of what we're teaching today. Go to John chapter 3, verse 16. Very familiar passage in the Bible. John three 16, I'm going to read it from the contemporary English version. And it says, God loved the people of this world so much that he gave his only son so that Everyone who has faith in him will have eternal life and never really die. We said that love is affection and affection is passion. Well, this verse shows us God's passion for us. We said passion was a strong emotion and a desire toward a person and that Emotion, that desire to help them is so strong that you move. It moves you. Listen, God's love for us moved him to action. Mm. We don't have to wonder if God loves us. He has already moved on our behalf. Come on, let me say that again. We don't have to wonder if God loves us. 
He has already moved on our behalf. God moved. Next time when the enemy comes to you and tries to cause doubt as to whether or not God loves you or whether or not God will come through for you, just say, God already moved. He, he already moved. Let me, let me just say something about this. God had such strong emotions toward us that he was moved to sacrifice his son. Could there be any stronger love for us? He was passionate about our well-being. And here's the thing about love. What, what is love? Love doesn't leave someone wondering if you love them. Listen, husbands, wives, I'll deal with y'all more next week, but just slip this in. Listen, your partner shouldn't be wondering if you love them. You should be moved to do things for them. You say, well, they've moved from where we were when we got married. Well, find them. You move then. Go after them. Come on. Listen, he promoted our kindness when he was moved in sending Christ. And we're loved. And what does that mean? When God moved, what did that mean for us? The sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus was moved for us. That's why it's called the passion of Christ. And because they were moved, because they loved us, we are forgiven. We are given eternal life. Folks, it is not all about this world. If we were to measure eternity... Wow. And you had a 50-foot rope. This life would only be the first quarter inch. The rest of it is eternity. He has given us eternity. He was moved to make sure that you are taken care of throughout eternity. None of this short-term relationship stuff. Now, Lisa, I'm just saying, he must really love us because he wants to be with us forever. Even, you know, you love your little kids when they're little, but sometimes you just go, I need some time away from you. <laughs> Come on. But love expresses itself in action. Do you feel the love? God's love. Now let's talk about something else, too, that this love, God's love, shows us how we can define it what it does for us what love is i want to take you to another passage and it's found in the book of romans it's very similar to john and other passages john 3:16 but again it talks about god loving us and sacrificing his son but i want to bring out another truth here romans 32 and i'm actually going to read from the passion translation romans 8:32 it says for god has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure the gift of his son and since god freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give now, now, now first of all can i tell you god has other things to give christ is the biggest gift the greatest treasure 
But he's not going to stop. He's going to keep giving all your life. But here's what this passage teaches us about love. It teaches us that God who is love, that he proved his love with the gift of Christ. Mm. Real love proves itself through actions. Come on. Real love proves itself through its action. We need our teens to hear this, young girls, or maybe if you find yourself or you're single again. Listen, love proves itself through action. Love can be expressed through words, but the proof is in the action. Did your mama ever say, the proof is in the pudding? Come on. The proof is in the action. You tell me you love me, but you're late every time we go somewhere. You tell me that you love me, but you don't want to do that. You're, you know, cheap and you got it. Now, if, if don't, don't girls, you know, if, if they're doing the best, then celebrate. They're doing their best. But come on, real love proves itself through its actions. If there are no actions to back up the word, it's not real love. You see, that's one of the reasons why the Bible is so powerful. Why the Word of God has the power to transform lives. Because God backs up His words with action. He backed up His Word in the very beginning. By before we were ever created, before the worlds were ever formed in fashion. The Bible says He already made a decision that He was coming after us. He was going to love us. He was going to do what it would take to make sure that we were with Him in eternity. And you wonder if He loves you for this life? Come on. You're loved. Love expresses itself through actions. You know, some of your loved ones may just need a cup of espresso. Come on. And maybe, maybe you need to go back and listen to this message with a podcast or, or go back and you can view it online on our website. You, you've got the sermon notes and you version. You can download those. And you need to go let, just have a cup of espresso with God. And let God remind you of all the ways he's expressed his love to you. And the greatest one was through Christ. He expressed his love. We could just say this. Let's have a little action to go along with those words. Come on, a little espresso. Now, now let me get to the point that I really wanted to get to in this passage. And that is about proof of purchase. Proof of purchase. But when you, whether you purchase a home, whether you purchase, uh, whether you purchase a home, whether you purchase a car, um, you know, if you purchase a car, you get a title. If you purchase a home, you get a deed. You can just go in the church store and purchase a piece of clothing. You get a proof of purchase. There's several uses for that proof of purchase. But one of the things that that proof of purchase does is it tells us what that thing you purchased was worth to you. Some things I've liked and I've picked them up, put them back. They're not worth that to me. Come on. Listen, Jesus is your proof of purchase. Through the gift of Christ, God 
declared our worth to him. You want to know how much you're worth? Do you want to know if your life is worth something, if it's valuable, if it has meaning? Then look at Jesus. He's your proof of purchase. We could say this, love expressed is value declared. We know how valuable we are to someone by what they're willing to do for us. I remember when Jeff and I were dating and our relationship was moving forward and we went down to Channel Side after we used to have Sunday night services anybody remember that <laughs> we did and uh, we went down there after a Sunday night service those days are long gone we don't go anywhere at night no uh, too late <laughs> telling on ourselves but we went down there and so we're talking about our relationship and Jeff made this statement his three daughters Molly Katie and Aaron Jeff does and he made this statement to me he said you know Jane he said I would give my life for any one of my three daughters and he said, and I was thinking today, I would give my life for Jane. I thought, let me, where's the line? I'll sign on the dotted line. <laughs> C- come on. You know why? Because he made me feel so valued. He declared to me what I was worth to him. And he was giving his best. Wow. Love sees a person's value and worth and then expresses it in tangible ways. Let me define this word love for you. I've got to wrap it up this morning. But Webster's 1828 defines love in a general sense to be pleased with, to regard with affection, an affectionate of the mind and an affection of the mind excited by beauty and worth of any kind. Wow. In other words, God got excited. He saw beauty in us. He saw worth in us. And then he came after us. And when the enemy or our failures or maybe another person comes after us and tries to diminish our worth or our value, hold up your proof of purchase. Hold up your proof of purchase of what you're worth. Let me read this scripture and make a comment and we'll close. 1 John 4.10, I'm going to go back to where we began. I'll read from the Passion Translation. It says, this is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. God saw our worth and loved us. Love is saying to those you love, I see your worth. I see your value, and I will act in ways so that you know how valuable you are and how much you are worth to me. To love is to express a person's value and worth through action. Listen, God is love. God's love is real. Can I just say this? God really loves you. Amen. Did you get something out of that this morning? I pray that you did. Would you bow your heads as we close out this service today?